Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. So my teenage son, maybe if you heard an earlier podcast, the one that decided to go on a 24-hour excursion, is the quintessential slob. And before you scream at me for being dad of the year, hear me out. So just like most teenagers, I think that are of his age are pretty slobs. And if you are a teenager listening to this, no offense, but you got a little cleaning up to learn to do. For those of you who are parents of a teen, you probably know what I'm talking about. Socks in places where there shouldn't be socks, boxer shorts in the backyard, you name it. Find clothes everywhere. He tends to just leave everything laying around. Well, the other day I come home and the kid eats like a horse. And he left probably three dishes full of peanut butter, sour cream, I think was one of them, and chocolate. I don't even know where he got the chocolate. On the dishes, it's coated on the dishes in the sink when the dishwasher was still had dirty dishes in it. So naturally, I, again being father of the year, attributed that action, that behavior to him, to him being a slob. And didn't realize, and this is a fault of of human beings, that there could have been external factors that could have that could have influenced his behavior, that could have caused him to leave those nasty dishes in the kitchen sink. And as it turns out, a little bit of investigation, but he was running late and his mom was waiting for him outside to take him to an appointment and she was getting on him to hurry up. So with the fact of not wanting to make her mad, his plan was to leave those dishes in there to when he got back and he was going to clean them. Well, I didn't take into account those external factors. And as soon as he walked in the room, when he got home, naturally being dad of the year, I got on his case. So after he explained, of course, I apologized and all was good. So that's what we're going to talk about attribution theory. How's everybody doing? This is Jason. This is the Baldwin Safety Chat podcast where we talk about everything safety management, organizational excellence, organizational dynamics. Do you notice that the scope keeps changing each podcast? We're beyond safety management systems. Safety management systems are fascinating. Don't get me wrong. They are absolutely fascinating. But safety management systems are about the people. They're about the organization. So we have to start looking at behavior. And we also have to look at the factors that influence behavior within the organization, whether it be leadership, whether it be policies and procedures, whether it just be the working environment. But we have to look at all those factors that the safety management system should pick up on. So as we're talking about attribution theory, if you remember, I talked about this on another podcast, an earlier podcast, but attribution theory, in a nutshell, very broad brush, is the tendency for humans to attribute external and or internal factors to why an individual behaves that the way they do. There's interpersonal and intrapersonal attribution, intrapersonal being how you attribute your own behavior to your past and your actions. And then obviously interpersonal is what we're interested in, is how you attribute or attribute other people's behaviors. And I really want to put this in the context of what's called the substitution test. So hopefully many of you in your safety management system, um, you talk about as long as the act wasn't criminal, willful, or negligent. So you have this maybe this culpability algorithm. 
And maybe one of the steps on that culpability algorithm is if somebody else was in that same situation and somebody else was faced with the same external factors, would they behave the same? And would there have been probably the same outcome? And usually says if yes, then it goes on to probably external factors. If it says no, then you go on to probably showing that the individual is probably culpable, depending on how you have the whole thing set up. But as a side note, in your safety management system, if you do talk about justness of the culture and you talk about, it's not a no-blame culture, but you talk about having a process, a unbiased, objective process to determine culpability, then that's very important. And if you do have that, chances are you may have what is called the substitution test. I know Terry Yomes with Isba talked about this a lot. But here's the funny thing. When we look at attribution theory, it is that when we do that, when we look for causes of people's behaviors, even in the substitution test, research has shown that we do have a tendency to not be entirely accurate when trying to attribute the causes for somebody's behavior. In fact, we tend to, as humans, overemphasize internal factors rather than external factors for the behavior. And that could be why in our industry for the longest time, it was just easier, path of least resistance to blame somebody and attribute an errant act or a destructive act to that person. We ascribe blame to that person. And Ivan Popolitti talks about this in his awesome TED Talk. We have this really bad habit of ascribing blame or attributing to internal factors to that individual's behavior. So we have to be careful about that in attribution theory. So this, again, was was talking about attribution theory. We're talking about interpersonal and that we have a bias or we have a bent towards attributing causes to internal behavior, to internal factors. This is interesting because this is what research has shown, and this is where we're going to get to the point about how you can use this instead of the substitution test. There's basically three dimensions, or there's three pieces of information, I should say, that when people are attributing behavior to external versus internal factors, there are three pieces of information that really come into play. And these three pieces of information are called distinctiveness, consensus, and consistency. And let me go ahead and define each one for you. Distinctiveness, when we talk about that distinctiveness piece of information, that person, that individual, so when we're looking at how that individual behaved, they would have behaved or responded similarly in other types of situations of that kind. Not a similar situation, but in other types of situations that individual would have behaved in the same way. And then consensus, and this is what the substitution test really focuses on, but consensus is others typically respond the same way as that person did in the same or similar situation. So when we look at the Substitution test, again, called substitution because you're substituting that person with another person and seeing and basically theorizing or in your mind's eye, if you will, determining if that person that you're substituting for would have behaved similarly or in the same way as the person that you're, you're looking at. And then finally, consistency is a similar response is by that individual is produced in similar situations. So if there are similar situations that were present where the person in question had an error or a deviation or whatever it may be, the the similar response is provided in similar situations. 
So if it was ground handling, the person didn't chalk the plane in similar situations, like if it was a high tempo, bad night versus a cold, a nice night, and they don't chalk the plane, that would be a similar response in similar situations. So you have distinctiveness, consensus, and consistency. Again, distinctiveness, the person responds similarly in other types of situations. Others typically respond the same way as that person would in a similar same situation, and then that person has similar responses in similar situations. And try to get those in your head, because this part's going to really bake your noodle. But what research has shown is that if all three are high, so if there is high distinctiveness, meaning that the person does respond similarly in other situations, that's pretty high, and the others would typically respond the same way as the person in similar situations, and a high probability or a high instance of a similar response by that person is provided in a similar situation. When all three of those are high, research has shown that people attribute that behavior to external factors. Now, this might be something you want to include instead of just a substitution test. Why don't you look at these other two dimensions as well? But I'm not saying that this is an algorithm itself. What I'm saying is that this is what research has shown because this whole attribution is subjective. It's how people are looking at it. So again, that's something we need to be careful of. But research has shown that if all three are high, it is attributed to external factors. So let's look at the alignment that doesn't chalk an airplane. So the person responded similarly in other types of situations. So he missed a step or he was errant in an important step. If there were similar situations that he also missed a step, then that's distinctiveness. So the saying that's high and consensus, others typically respond the same way as that person in similar situations. So if you have others in similar or the same situation missing checklist steps, that's high. And in this case, there's a similar response by that individual produced in similar situations. So the first one is the person responds the same in other types of situation. And the third one, consistency, is that person responds the same or similar in similar situations. So when it comes to chalking, maybe they don't chalk. Uh, so that's a similar situation. But when all three of those are high, we have a tendency to attribute that person's behavior to external factors, which would make sense, right? Because if you have other people missing checklist steps, this person missed checklist steps in similar situations and then in other situations, then maybe there's something wrong with your checklist. So maybe it's something that is external. Now, I know you're like scratching your head like, well, wait a second. If he's constantly screwing up, he should, you know, there's something wrong. This is based on research and how we tend to attribute the causes. So what we're saying is that if this came to an event review committee or if this came to the safety committee, we'd look at this and, and it might be good to look at all these three and not just the substitution test, but looking at this person, how they've responded in other types of situations and also how they've responded in similar situations, if you have that data, to help you make that decision. Now, interestingly, that when consensus is low, distinctiveness is low, but consistency is high, then research has shown that we have a tendency to attribute that behavior to internal factors. So there's maybe a willingness or a, a poor training or poor knowledge of the system or whatever it may be, we attribute that to an internal factor. So in distinctiveness, in this case, the person responded similarly in other types of situations. Well, they don't. In other types of situations, for this example, this individual follows the, the checklist and doesn't miss steps. 
consensus is low, others in this particular situation would not respond the same way as this individual did. And that goes to the substitution test, but that's the only part of the substitution test. But this is an interesting consistency, is that if there is a similar situation, so let's say it's fueling, and it's center point fueling, or single point, as I know it's called in the industry, that in this case, in similar responses, like for example, misfueling, if that is high in similar situations, like fueling a hawker versus fueling a falcon, then they're saying that what we tend to do is attribute those causes to internal factors. So again, this is the three pieces of information that research has shown how we process and how we judge, as lack of a better word, or attribute causes as being external versus or internal. But I think we can use this as a tool because when we just do the substitution test, then we're missing other pieces of information, I believe. So again, the substitution test is basically just looking at consensus, but we're missing distinctiveness and consistency. So I think maybe something to think about when we're looking at those special algorithms that we have, and when we're looking at how we're going to ascribe culpability. What we do have to resist, and this is why a formal process is so important because I want to go back to that certain area. And yes, I do have a book here and I'm reading out of a book. I'm paraphrasing out of a book. Individuals, we're not entirely accurate when we attempt to attribute causes for others' behavior. And we have a bent towards attributing the causes into internal factors of that individual. So without that algorithm, without those standardized procedures, without the fact that maybe we're looking at not only consensus, but distinctiveness and consistency, then we may improperly ascribe blame to somebody. Now, I'm not saying we never ascribe blame. I'm not of that school that a person's actions is always a symptom or a result of the system. Not necessarily because we do have people that just don't get it. But I think we over-ascribe to internal factors and we definitely under-ascribe to external factors. So that is my spiel for today. I would love to hear what you think about this. I would love to get feedback on this especially for those that do have that process or that algorithm for determining culpability in their organization. So yeah, drop me a line. Let me know. And I'd love to discuss this with anybody. But until then, wow, I thank you guys so much for downloading this. Thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you for listening to me rant. Um, If you like this podcast, wherever you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind knocking that like button. If you don't like it, don't feel obligated, obviously, but just let us know how we can prove. We want this to be a service to you. We want to serve you. We want to help you and not saying that you need help, but we all have an obligation to constantly or consistently improve. So that's what this is about. And I want to serve that need that we have. So guys, I love you. Thank you so much for what you do out there. I look forward to talking to you on the next podcast, but until then, stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. 
Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit BaldwinSMS.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program.